You are listening to Bullet Points with Margot Bennett, the Executive Director of Women Against Gun Violence. Bullet Points is our 15-minute monthly update on hot topics in the gun violence prevention movement. Hello, and welcome to Bullet Points, a podcast brought to you by Women Against Gun Violence, where we update you on the hottest topics in the landscape of the gun violence prevention movement in 15 minutes or less. I'm your host, Alec Foster, and today we are going to discuss more positive legislative developments in the movement to protect our lives. I spoke to you last episode regarding the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act and how it was a positive step towards progress, while still lacking the expansive nature many progressives and those who have been fighting to end gun violence have wanted. Well, coming off the momentum of that legislation being passed, three decades in the making, another step in the right direction has been taken. On Friday, July 29th, the House of Representatives voted to ban assault-style weapons. This is the first ban of this nature since the 1994 assault weapons ban expired in 2004. This bill makes it a crime to knowingly import sell, manufacture, transfer, or possess a semi-automatic assault weapon or large-capacity ammunition feeding device, with a few exemptions. The bill permits continued possession, sale, or transfer of a grandfathered semi-automatic weapon, which must be securely stored, but a licensed gun dealer must conduct a background check prior to the sale or transfer of the weapon between private parties. The bill permits continued possession of, but prohibits sale or transfer, of a grandfathered large-capacity ammunition feeding device. Newly manufactured ones must display serial number identification. And both newly manufactured semi-automatic assault weapons and large-capacity ammunition feeding devices must display the date of manufacture. The bill also allows a state or local government to use Edward Byrne Memorial Justice Assistance Grant Program funds to compensate individuals who surrender a semi-automatic assault weapon or large-capacity ammunition feeding device under a buyback program. It is encouraging to hear that the House of Representatives has put forth this bill in an effort to curtail the amount of deadly weapons we have in circulation in this country which have the potential to be used in mass shootings. The string of the most recent shooting massacres in Buffalo, Uvalde, and Highland Park have surely lit a fire underneath the House of Representatives, and these massacres have illuminated what should have already been crystal clear decades ago. We do not need weapons of war in the hands of civilians. However, The likelihood that this bill gets the 60 votes it needs to overcome the filibuster and pass in the Senate may be slim. The total in the vote on the 26th was 217 in favor to 213 opposing. All but five Democrats backed the bill, and only two Republicans voted in favor. 
And if you are interested in the names of the Democratic senators who did not support their fellow Democrats in voting for this bill, their names are Representatives Jared Golden of Maine, Kurt Schrader of Oregon, Ron Kind of Wisconsin, and Henry Queller and Vicente Gonzalez of Texas. We will need at least 10 Republican senators to vote in favor of the bill in the Senate, and that would be with full support of all 50 Democrats, which it is not even clear that we will have. As our executive director, Margot Bennett, expressed in our latest action alert, it is up to all of us as to how we all vote as a nation in November. We must vote for people who will vote yes on an assault weapons ban. We must vote to keep our neighborhoods, our communities, our cities, states, and country as a whole safer. The White House did offer a statement in support of the bill expressing how 40,000 Americans die from gunshot wounds every year, and guns have become the top killer of children in the United States. And how we know that an assault weapons and large capacity magazine ban will save lives, as evidenced by the 1994 assault weapons ban. As I mentioned earlier, and as many of you may know, under the Clinton administration in 1994, the United States did previously put an assault weapons and high-capacity magazine ban in place, which was also a bipartisan ban, by the way. However, it expired in 2004, and frustratingly, Congress never renewed it. The impact of the ban was undeniable. While the number of shootings in totality only slightly decreased, the lethality or deadliness of the shootings significantly dropped. In that decade, the United States had zero of the 10 worst mass shootings in our country's history. And in the 12 years after the ban was lifted, the rate of mass shootings tripled. The Republicans will, and have already started, with the fear-mongering rhetoric to rile up their base of gun nuts, I'm sorry, of gun rights activists, they are spewing the false narratives that the law would be unconstitutional and they want to take away all guns from all people, they quote-unquote, when that is unequivocally false, as I briefly outlined earlier. The ban only applies to semi-automatic assault weapons and large-capacity ammunition, fe ammunition feeding devices, and that is explicitly outlined in the language of the legislation. While no guns of any kind in circulation may actually create a damn near utopia in the country, that is not realistic at the current state we are in, with more guns than people currently being in circulation. However, it has never been the intention of our federal government to confiscate all guns. That is just more false information and narrative perpetuated by Republican opposition and gun lobbyists to get their base riled up and increase the sale of deadly weapons in this country. And that type of behavior and misinformation and fear-mongering is nothing new. It has been working for them for years. Recently, this past week, when the House Oversight and Reform Committee investigated the profits that gun manufacturers made off semi-automatic weapons, 
which includes AR-15 style weapons which have been used in many of the nation's deadliest shootings. CEOs from two gun manufacturers stated at the hearing that they played no role in mass shootings that used their products. However, in reality, gun manufacturers selling assault-style rifles have employed questionable marketing tactics, including appealing to white supremacists, preying on the masculinity of young men, and running advertisements that mimic video games. And this was a finding that the Oversight and Reform Committee released from their investigation. We have seen the tactics used time and time again to the detriment of our society's public safety. Hopefully, the federal government will continue to apply pressure to irresponsible gun manufacturers and follow in the footsteps of Governor Gavin Newsom as he last month signed legislation so that gun makers can be sued for the carnage their products cause. The law will allow state, local government, and Californians to sue gun makers and hold them liable for the death and devastation they are causing to our communities. With this legislation, California is making it clear that they will not allow the gun manufacturers, distributors, and sellers to be exempt from responsibility for the damage they are doing to the fabric of our society. And we must push for the federal government to continue to apply the pressure in a similar fashion. We cannot afford to get relaxed when dealing with these unscrupulous individuals who prioritize profit over human life. Lastly, the unfortunate total of mass shootings in the United States continues to rise by the day. We may not hear about every single one of them. The shootings that are not as deadly may not get nearly as much news coverage. But Americans are still getting shot and killed at an alarming rate. As of August 2nd, we have had 390 mass shootings in this country. 25 more mass shootings than days in the year. And we are not even two-thirds through the year 2022 yet. Gun violence remains a devastatingly deadly American problem that is not going away anytime soon without the continuous pressure being put on our local and federal governments to prioritize human lives over dollars. We must continue to vote for those who will prioritize the safety of Americans first and who will follow through and stand up to gun lobbyists and hold manufacturers accountable for the culture of violence they have created. We cannot lose steam in this fight as it quite literally means life or death for all of us. So hold fast and celebrate the small victories and remain encouraged because progress and change does not happen overnight, but we are taking concrete steps towards making the gun industry obsolete. As always, thank you for your continued unwavering support of women against gun violence. If you have not already, Sign up for our action alerts at wagv.org. Follow us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at WAGV, and on TikTok at WAGVORG. And if you have any questions or topics you would like to address, please be sure to email us 
at wagv at wagv.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next month. Thank you for listening to Bullet Points, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Visit our website at wagv.org to sign up for our action alerts. We're looking forward to you joining us next month.